Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Born identity, discovering who you are and what you were meant to do. I think that out of all the questions that I've been asked as a pastor throughout the years, that's been the most recurring question is how do I know what it is that God wants me to do? How do I know his purpose for my life? How do I know what I was born for is kind of where people are constantly going. Now, I want you to know that the answer to that question is that you were born for a mission and discovering how that applies to your life is going to be found in the verse that we're in today. It's Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 and it says this, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I promise you if you get hold of that passage today, you're going to get hold of who you are, what it is that you were created to do what it is you were created to be. And so let's jump in, all right? The first thing I want to ask you is this, is how many people here believe you were created by God? If you do, raise your hand. Fantastic. Now, everybody knows that back in Genesis chapter 2, it says that God created uh, human beings out of the dust, breathed life into us, uh, take the rib out of Adam to make Eve. God just did this creative work and that Jesus was there at the beginning when that happened. We know all those things to be true, but here's how most people think of it when they think that God created me. Is this now been 4,600 years of procreation. If you're a believer in evolution, it's been millions of years of evolution. But however you look at that, I am the product not of the intimate personal creation of God. I kind of became because of a process that was set in motion a long, long time ago. And so I'm here, yes, in a sense, it's because God created me. But in the same sense that if you drive a Ford F-150 pickup, you can say that maybe Uh, Henry Ford had something to do with its creation. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there have been 8 billion Fords that have come off the line at some time. And yes, somehow it's kind of connected to Henry Ford starting the whole thing back in the day. But my F-150 wasn't actually in the mind of Henry Ford. In the same way, most of us, if we got honest, feel that we are created by God, but in a very generic way, in a very roll-off-the-line way, in a, in a procreative or evolutionary way, but not in an intimate, personal, God-made-me, had purpose in mind for me, but that's exactly how God created you. God actually designed you much like... Uh, uh, a guy that I was uh, with one day, we were at Stanton's Barbecue over in Bennettsville, South Carolina. Does anybody ever go to Bennettsville? All right, if you've been to Bennettsville, if you go outside into Stanton that's out in the country, interesting place. It's like a big barn. On the top of it, you can see there's some writing. You can hardly read it. Uh, and what it is is that Stanton's Barbecue painted on top of the roof of this barbecue barn. And the reason it's there is because pilots from all over the southeast will fly to to Bennettsville, South Carolina, to this little place out in the country and land their planes on a grass airstrip beside Stanton's Barbecue. We were in there one day eating barbecue sandwiches um, and this the guy who owns the place uh, introduced us to a gentleman there named Bobby Cox. Now, not the Bobby Cox who's the manager, but a Bobby Cox who is just as famous in the flying world. 
And so Bobby Cox um, walked us out and showed us a plane that looked almost exactly like this, but it, it's, it's modeled after what's called a pit special. <coughs> that was the Royal Air Force fighting uh, plane that was then turned into stunt planes that people flew forever. Well, this pit special created by Bobby Cox, he had actually made it himself. And he had built it from the ground up. And it was phenomenal. It was built just for him. The inside dash was mahogany. The seat did not adjust because it was made exactly for his size and his length. Everything was to his specifications. Instead of a 150 engine that those old RAF planes used to have, this had a 350 engine in it. It was bad. And so... Bobby got into it. He put on his goggles with the scarf around his neck. And he looked like Snoopy, you know, when he was getting ready to take off. He backed up about as far as the back of this room uh, from us. And he took off, coming straight at us, and then just turned straight up into the air. And then he started shooting up. And it looked something like this as he was going away from us. And then he did all these acrobatic moves. And before you know it, we were just standing there in awe as he disappeared into the distance. Now, what is so cool? Yeah, right? So, so here's the thing about that, that Bobby Cox airplane that he created from scratch. It was a one of a kind, but it was done, made by him with intimate care, with purpose, made for himself and for his pleasure to do exactly what he wanted it to do. That's how it was created, and that's how God created you. In Psalm 139 Verses 13 and 14, we told this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God says, I, I want you to understand that when I say I created you, I created you one of a kind. And when I say one of a kind, there will never be another you, but God created you for specific purposes that he wants to accomplish in and through you. When we asked Bobby about the plans for that pit special that he made, um, my friend Mark Avant asked him, well, Bobby, where are the plans, you know, and, and can it be replicated? And he said, there'll never be another one like it. The plans are right here. And the truth is, the only place there were any plans for that were in Bobby Cox's head. And he said, if I ever need to rebuild it, I can rebuild it because he knew it. Now, in the same way, God wants you to know that you're much like Jeremiah. When he spoke to Jeremiah, he said, before, you, I, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God's just saying, you're one of a kind. There'll never be another you. There'll never be another one like you. I created you for specific purpose, and you are like that pit special. Now, now, here's the thing. How many people feel like, I don't really feel special at all? I don't feel like a pit special. I don't feel like I can go flying acrobatically. As a matter of fact, I don't even feel like a good Ford F-150. I don't, I, I don't even feel like a, like a fiesta. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I feel like I just, I just feel like I'm kind of a mess, you know, and my life is a mess. There was a young lady that was on a retreat one time that I was doing for youth and, and she said as she was standing before her, her sisters that were on that retreat, the other young lady, she said, you know, I feel like an old used car. She said, I've done everything to try to get people to love me and like me. And in the process, I've lost my innocence. I've, I've lost my purity. She said, I've just lost myself. And she said, I feel like an old, trashed, used car that nobody wants anything to do with now. 
Now, you might not be in that place, but you might be even worse than that. You might be like this, this old car that was in a barn where I, I grew up. This was under the barn that was not too far from my house. And, uh, and that looks almost exactly like the car. It's not the same one, but it looks almost exactly like the old Model A that sat out under that barn. We actually stored hog feed in it. We would fill it up to the brim of the door with hog feed. It was just... A piece of junk is what it looked like. And you may think to yourself, well, what if I really don't feel like I'm anything special? I feel like I made a mess of what I have got and my life doesn't feel like anything special. Does this passage, Ephesians 2.10, still apply to me? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Is this passage still something that can speak to me about my purpose? And I want to say you have no idea how much it's going to speak to you. Because this passage is actually referring to people like that. If you back up, this says, for we are God's workmanship, indicates that what came before is now being substantiated. You know what I'm saying? So it's saying, look, look, this is the reason why, this is the reason why, this is the cause for that, is, is I want you to know that what came before is extremely important. So go back to verses 8 and 9. In verses 8 and 9, he says this, as he says, For we are God's workmanship. In verse 8 and 9, he says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So he's saying, look, you've been saved by grace. You had not done anything to earn it. You're, you're, you're in need of salvation, or you were in need of salvation, and God saved you. So why are we in need of salvation? Why are we in need of him to get hold of us? Back up again. You go all the way to the first of that chapter, as you have to track that four back, all right? What's this all about? What's it all for? In, in verse 1 through 3 of Ephesians chapter 2, we've already talked about this in the series, you get the reason. He says this, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, honestly, if we compared ourselves spiritually, we might be doing pretty well physically we might be doing pretty well financially. We might do, be doing well academically. But he said all of us at one time spiritually have been in a place where we're like that old mess in the barn. We are not able in ourselves to be able to do anything of greatness. In fact, we're powerless to even get our motor cranked. And we are rust buckets. We're a mess. And we got all kinds of things out of place. He said that's the human condition. Every one of us have been in that human condition. But listen to what he says. This is what sets everything up. He says in verses 4 and 5, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Let me illustrate. That car, that Model A, actually that sat in our barn had actually been chosen by my uncle my uncle saw that thing one time when he was out he was a marine and he was out traveling around he saw that old car and when he saw it he fell in love with it can you believe falling in love with that right he fell in love with it and he said i want that thing and actually he paid a good price for it he actually paid a lot of money to get hold of that and you think are you kidding me you know 
Why would anybody pay for that? But he did. He paid money for that. And I want to tell you why. It's because when he saw that, he knew exactly what that was created to be. When he saw that, he knew everything that was out of place, everything that shouldn't be. He knew what it would be if it was brought back to what it was originally made to be. And he did that. He took that car and began to work on it. I remember when he first got it cranked. We were out there playing on the farm, and we heard this hollering from the barn. Yahoo! You know, we looked over, and his arms almost hit the top of the ceiling. He was so excited as that old Model A, what, plap, 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 and started smoking and billowing, and it started running, and he was so excited. And he kept working on that thing, and ultimately, not exactly that, but very, very close to that, is what he knew that thing was going to look like. Now, you want to know the truth is that the reason that he bought that thing and the reason that he took hold of it was because even though he saw everything wrong with it, he saw what it could be and knew what it could be. You see, he loved that car not because he thought it was without fault. He loved that car because in spite of all of its faults, he knew he was going to take it back to exactly what it was created to be. Now, how about you? How many people here think God couldn't love me and use me and want me because my life is a mess and I, I wouldn't be valuable to him at all? You know what the truth is? Is he sees you and he loves you, not because you have him fooled and he thinks everything's right and everything's in place. He knows you and that's why he loves you. Do you understand that? He knows all your sin, all your mess, all your brokenness, and because he knows you, he loves you. And he says, I know what needs to be fixed. I know what needs to be paid for. I know what needs to be restored. And that's why I love you. And that's why I have chosen you. And what I want to do is get title to you like Perry got to that car. I want to restore you to fix everything back just as it was intended to be. And that's what God wants to do in your life. And so when he says that we are his workmanship... He's saying that's the kind of work he wants to do in your life. I was talking to a lady this week, and she said, you know, I grew up uh, in poverty. She says, I was in a family where I never would have thought that my life would have amounted to anything. And Jesus got hold of my life, and he took me and made me into something more beautiful than I ever could have imagined. And I've been able to do things and be places and accomplish things for God's purposes that no one would have ever guessed that I could have, she said, because he got hold of me. He's made something beautiful out of my life. Now, here's the truth. You may be a person who's never felt like that. You may be a person who actually, right now, without Jesus in your life, you feel pretty shiny anyway, right? And you are accomplishing a lot and you're doing real well. And what you don't realize is, is that you're really like that. And just because you've got it going on and you're running full steam ahead and you're making a lot of money and, and you've got lots of people who think you're awesome doesn't mean that you're in his purposes, you are as good as dead in that situation. Let me give you an example of that. How many people have ever heard, even if you aren't a NASCAR fan, have you ever heard of Daryl Waltrip? Anybody ever heard of him? All right, the reason you've probably heard of Daryl Waltrip is he's probably one of the most successful NASCAR drivers in the history of the sport. And when he was at his very best, it was in 1981, I mean, 1981 and 1982. Do you know that in those two years, he won 24 races in two years, which has never been done since. He won two national championships back to back. He said this about himself. He said, I was at the top of my game. We were 
undefeatable. We could not fail. He said, I was so full of pride. He said, I went to a town one time and the lady checking me in at the hotel said, sir, are you here for the show? And he said, no, ma'am, I am the show. What everybody said about Daryl Waltrip at that time in his life when he was winning so big and doing so well and making so much money is they said he was cocky, he was arrogant, he was aloof. They said that he was pretty much annoying just by his personality. In fact, Richard Petty said, this boy may make a lot of money. He may win a lot of races, but he's never going to be NASCAR's most popular driver. He said to Daryl himself, he said, I don't know how you keep a sponsor. You're so unpopular. Daryl said, I was making a lot of money. I was very successful. But in the things that mattered most, I was a wreck. He said, I was not who I needed to be for my wife. I was a sorry friend. He said, and people despise me. He said, the truth is, is that people would throw chicken bones and beer cans at me. People would wear shirts that said, anybody but Walter. And he said, that was my life. And then in, in 1983, he was in an accident. And this is... One of his accidents, and having shown a picture of this accident, Darrell Waltrip said the one that he was in in 83 was far worse than that accident. And after that accident was over, Darrell was in a place where he was recognizing that, wait a minute, I could have been dead. And what would everything I've got amount to? Absolutely nothing. He said, I realized that I desperately needed that he was more like that junk car. He may have been doing real well in a lot of ways, but spiritually, he was as good as dead. And he said, I could have been dead. And he said, finally, I ended up on a July night in 1983. He said, getting down off my high horse and getting down on my knees and asking God to please forgive me for Jesus to come into my life and to be my Lord and my Savior. And he said, that was the best day of my entire life. Now, yeah, yeah, you can give God a hand for that. And so Daryl then said that, well, here's the thing, that picture of what God did in Daryl is what leads us up to Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, the ones right previous to the verse we're in today. In verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Out of all the stuff that Daryl had to boast about and all of, his, all of his arrogance and all of his pride, he had to come to a place of just saying, I've got absolutely nothing. I just need you to purchase me. I need you to take me and make me what you created me to be. And God started doing that. He went on and said this in verse 10, you remember, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So you get this picture of this created in Christ Jesus. Yes, Jesus was there when we were created originally, when we were knit together in our mother's wombs. But this piece where he says it in verse 10 about created in Christ Jesus is really about the new creation. When he takes our mess, what we've become, and he takes hold of it and he says, let me make you what I originally created you to be. This is the new creation. And so he's saying, I don't care where you are. I don't care how bad you've messed up. I don't care how far you do feel that you are from God's purposes. What God wants to do is recreate you, restore you, make you back to what he originally created you to be. And when he does that, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. God says, I want to make you into a new creation. And that's exactly what he did in Daryl's life. You know what is so cool? After, after Richard Petty had said, you'll never be 
race car's most popular driver. Guess what happened in 1989 and 1990? He was NASCAR's most popular driver. Isn't that cool? God had changed his life so dramatically. And then a few years later, even though he had, had been purchased by Jesus back in 1983, it was almost a decade later when he finally said to God, God, I realize that, that I've never really truly made you first and surrendered control of my life and said, I'm here for your purposes and your purposes only. And that's what he did. He said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life bringing glory to God and doing what he's put me on earth to do. And having done that, guess what happened? In the year 2001, he was picked up by Fox Sports to be the commentator um, for the NASCAR sports. And that's the reason that he is the most well-known name and face in all of NASCAR. And then God used that platform for him. In the year 2012, he was voted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. In 2015, guess where he was? He was speaking at the National Prayer Breakfast with the President of the United States and his wife sitting behind him and sharing his testimony about Jesus for the whole United States and half the world to see. Is that awesome? Yeah. So you can give God a hand because here's the thing is God's just saying... If you will, let me, I'll get hold of your life and I'll take your life and make it into something special. And so you remember, he says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He's got purposes for you. He wants you to live in those purposes. He wants you to be doing what he created you to do. But understand that Daryl, even though he was very successful, was doing with what God gave him some pretty impressive things that meant nothing. He was not doing what he was created to do. He had rejected God's purposes for him and had not repented of the mess in his life. He said, I finally had to get rid of the stuff that was taking me away from God's purposes. How about you? We're told in the book of Luke chapter 7 verse 30 that the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purposes for themselves. Do you know you can reject God's purposes? That he can say, I created you for this and this is what I have for you. But you can go through periods in your life or maybe all of eternity rejecting God's purposes and just saying, no, I'm going to be in control of my own life. I'm going to do my own thing. And that's what Daryl had been doing. How many of you, if you compared yourself to a car instead of accomplishing what God had you to do and he created you to do, you're doing with what God gave you things that are not, not only not fulfilling his purpose, but maybe even working against his purposes. In your life. And God is just saying, here's what you need to do. Number one, when you realize that you were fearfully and wonderfully made and he knit you together in your mother's womb, can you come to where that psalm ends? Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24 says this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I need to surrender. I want you to take ownership and I want you to find everything wrong with me and I want you to make it right. Can you just say to God like that old rusty thing in the barn and just say, if it needs to be replaced, replace it. If it needs to be stripped, strip it. If it needs to be redone, redo it. But God, I want to give you everything and I want you to take me and make me what I was originally created to be. If you've never done that, you must do that today. Today is your day and your opportunity to say to him, I give you all. I give you title to my life today. And guess what? He paid a high price for that. The Bible says you're not your own. You were bought at a price. And you know what that price was? It was the death of his son. He paid that high of a price to purchase you. And he said, if you would give me title today, I want to make your life my own. But then there's another step. 
And the next step is just like like Darrell Waltrip had given title to God and Jesus had saved his life, but he had never given him control and saying, God, take my life. Get behind the wheel. Get, you drive. I'm not in control anymore. God, I want you to take me where you want me. Do with me whatever you would want to do with me. Have you taken the step of saying to him, God, I'm ready to, to put you behind the wheel. I don't need to just give him title. I need to give him the wheel. I need to give him the cockpit. I need to get him back in control like Bobby Pitts was of that Pitts special. Lord, I want to put you in control of my life. That's what God desires to do in your life. And so there's a beautiful passage that says this when he says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In the New American Standard Bible, it says this, Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. In other words, he's saying, look, what I want you to do is actually surrender and follow my leadership. I want to be in control of your life. I want to be behind the wheel of your life. I don't want to be a co-pilot. I want to be your pilot. I want to be the one to take it where it needs to go. Have you given the wheel to him? Now, some of you will say this. Okay, maybe I was born for a mission and, and maybe there's a purpose for me. And maybe if I turn everything over to God, then maybe he would do something in my life. But it really wouldn't be anything special, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you got Daryl Walter. You're comparing me to Daryl Walter, you know? I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not like 800 horsepower going 200 miles an hour, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not that guy or I'm not that girl. I'm like the Yugo. You remember the Yugo, you know? So you got the, the NASCAR. Vroom, vroom, vroom. You know? And, and that's you. You're just, I'm just, I, I, I don't have much. I just don't feel like I'm that person that has a whole lot. And God's saying, oh, you have no idea. Because if I created you, I created you for purpose. And don't compare yourself to anybody else. You know what's cool? is dump trucks. Dump trucks have what they're made to do. And Priuses have what they're made to do, right? Take 10,000 pounds of dirt and dump it on a Prius and what happens? Squash, right? <laughs> dump trucks love it, right? The other way around... A dump truck is not the best thing to use when you're dropping your kids off at school. <laughs> right? God's just saying, look, I want to use you for the purpose for which I created you. There's a difference between a, what an F-16 does and what a 757 does. Right? The F-16 fighter and the 757 pilot, I mean, the, the jet, both of them, one of them carries multiple passengers. The other one just has one person sitting in it. They have different purposes. But here's what God's saying to you is he's saying, be you. I created you uniquely. I want you to let me make you what I created you to be. I had things in mind for you. Don't try to be like Jeff. Don't try to be like Steve. Don't try to be like Sarah. Don't try to be like Michelle. You be you. And you be the you I created you to be. And if you'll be that you, I, I'll do great things through you. Let me illustrate with a very profound and powerful and moving movie. Anybody ever seen Cars? Right? All right. <laughs> if you got kids, you've seen Cars, right? So I don't care if you're Lightning McQueen, the race car, you know, or you're Mater, the, the tow truck, you know, or if you're Ramon, the, 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 the one who does the paint and body work, or, or if you're Sally Carrera, the, the attorney, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. God's just saying, what I need to do is get him behind the wheel of your life. 
And if I get in behind the wheel of your life, if I get into your cockpit, I will take you on an adventure that will blow your mind. Here's the beautiful thing about Bobby Cox with that plane is when the plane was in his control, all the plane needed to do was respond to the slightest effort. If he put his feet on the pedals, if he put his hand on the yoke, whatever he did, that plane just simply responded to whatever he wanted it to do. And sometimes he wanted to take him and land beside Stanton's Barbecue where he could eat a sandwich. And other times he wanted to take that plane and take it into a, a stunt competition and do flips and rolls and all kinds of cool stuff. And God's saying, look, just let me do in you what I want to do. Let me carry you where I want to carry you. If you let me behind the wheel, sometimes you might be stopping by the store for groceries. And other times you might be heading across the United States to do something outstanding and remarkable. But just let me do in you what I want to do in you. Because if you want to know what it is to have God's will in your life, as soon as he's behind the wheel, you are in his will. Your will is not something you'll get to after you graduate from seminary. Your will is not something that's out there waiting for you one day. Your will, God's will for you, begins the moment you have him in the driver's seat. Right? Yeah. And so many people will be here and you'll be saying, but I want to know what his plans for me are. You don't have to know the flight plan. All you have to do is know the pilot, right? You don't have to know the destination as long as he's behind the wheel. He'll get you to the destination. All I got to be is responsive to what it is that he tells me to do. He created these things to do good works which he prepared in advance that we might walk in them for us to do, for us to be responsive. How responsive are you to God's guidance? I used to drive a truck when I was working back in the day that had about this much play in the wheel. Anybody ever had one like that? It was scary, man. You couldn't get it. You had to, whoa, and to get it back on the way. It was so hard to get that thing to turn because it just wasn't responding to your motions. A lot of you as Christ followers are like that. It's like God has to just about wring your neck to get you to make the slightest turn. And what you need to be is in being a place where if God does the slightest tap on the pedal, you're slowing down. If he gives the slightest tap on the gas, you're speeding up. If he makes the slightest turn, you're going with him. You're, you're responding to him because then he can do in you and through you all that he wants to do in and through you. It's going to be beautiful. And sometimes it's going to be as mundane and dropping this, as dropping the kids off at school. And other times it's going to be as cool as taking 10,000 pound load and dropping it somewhere that's going to change. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God's just saying, I just want to do in you and through you and with you what I want to do. Would you just let me do in you what I want to do? And you know what? I want to tell you, that doesn't mean that what he wants to do in you is always going to be like pleasant. I have taken my Jeep in some places that were very unpleasant. You know what I'm saying? I mean, very unpleasant. I had a lot of fun, but I don't think it was fun for my Jeep. I have had it where there was water in the floorboard. Your feet are patting on the water because you're down in the mud so deep. And I've had all kinds of things happen. But, but here's the thing. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, reality is, is that what God, what God wants to do in your life, he doesn't just do for fun. What God wants to do in your life is sometimes those, those uh, pit specials, those RAF flyers were going into war where they could be shot down. Sometimes when, when, when you are doing what God's called you to do, it puts you in the path of danger and difficulty and sometimes overheating and sometimes, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and God's just saying, look, will you let me use you the way I need to use you? And if you get a flat, I'll fix it. 
If you get a bump, I'll fix it. I know what it is that needs to be done. And you don't have to fear anything, not even being totaled. You don't have to fear death. I remember that special, well, you know, that, that one of a kind that Bobby Cox made. Bobby Cox one day put it into a flat spin. Anybody ever seen Top Gun? You remember when, when the, the guys went down and Goose got killed? It was because they were in a flat spin. He got his pit special into a flat spin and flat spun it all the way to the ground and totaled it. Came out okay. And as soon as I heard about it, you know what I thought? He got out of that plane with that pit special still right there. It was able to be rebuilt without any problem because he made it. And God's just saying to you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear anything. I will take you and do in you and through you and for you more than you could ever imagine. You were made for a mission. I just want you to start living that mission. And until my purposes for you on earth are done, you are invincible. Isn't that a cool place to be? I am invincible until he's finished with his purposes for me. And then all he intends for me is paradise being everything that I created was created to be. That's what God wants for you. So here's, here's the invitation. You ready? There are two steps. If you haven't taken one of these two steps, it is imperative that you take this step today or you will miss God's mission for which you were born. Number one, I've got to give him title. You see, the Pharisees rejected God's purposes for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. You know what that meant? That meant the Pharisees had said, we're good just like we are. We don't need to repent of anything. I don't need to come to God and say, please take me and remake me because I feel good about who I am right now. And I don't need God to make my life what it needs to be. If that's you, you're in a dangerous place. You're like Daryl Walter it was. And God's just saying to you today, I don't care how flashy you are. If you aren't surrendered to me, you're like that old Model A in the barn. You are powerless. But if you'll give title to me, I'll take you and remake you. I'll restore you. I'll make you everything you were created to be. Who here today needs to do this to God, needs to come to God and say, God, you paid a high price for me, and that was the price of the death of your son so that all of my sin and all of my rust and all of my brokenness could be restored and I could be freed and I could be forgiven. So, God, I give you title to my life. I'm no longer mine but yours. I was bought at a price, and now this title of this life belongs to you. You take this life and you make it whatever you want it to be. But somebody else here needs to take the next step that Daryl took 10 years to take after he fell on his knees and said, God, I need you. It was 10 years later when he finally said, but you know what? I've still been driving my own car. I've been still doing my own thing, still looking for making something great happen. And God's saying, how about let me behind the wheel today? How about you turn over control, turn over the cockpit to me, put me behind the wheel today, and I'll take your life into an adventure that you are just going to absolutely love. Sometimes it'll be landing for a barbecue sandwich. Other times it might be going into a battle. It'll be beautiful whether it's loving your children as you drop them off for school or going to pick up groceries and deliver them to a homeless person or maybe flying to the other side of the world to reach people who have never known the name of Jesus. Wherever he takes you is going to be good. Yeah? Yeah, you can give God a hand for that. So, Lord God, here's our prayer. 
Our prayer is that for every one of us in this place, that not one of us would leave here without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in your will. That we are right now in your purpose for our lives. Because you are in the driver's seat. Because you are in the cockpit. Because we have given you title and we have given you the wheel. God, anybody here that needs to give you title to their life, let them do it today because you paid the price through your son Jesus. Anybody who needs to give the wheel to you today and they've still been in control, then needs to yield it to you and say, I'm going to be obedient to every prompting. I'm going to follow his guidance. I'm going to allow God to captain my life. I'm going to allow him to pilot me. I'm going to allow him to drive this life wherever he wants it to go. If that's you and you're ready to turn it over to him, can you say to him, God, right now, God, I want to give you everything. I give you title to my life. God, right now, I give you the wheel. And starting today, when I get up out of this seat from this point forward, all I'm going to do is try my best to be obedient to everything you steer me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.